There's lots of controversy in our world today, and there probably always will be. And what God shows us is to put all that aside and show His mercy to everyone. Here's Pastor David with more. We're going to look at a section that's popularly called the Beatitudes, or the blessings, right? It's about the blessings that Jesus promises to those who live by them. We've been going through some of them, but this morning, I just kind of want to read through that section as a whole real quick and make a few comments on it as a whole before we sort of dive in to the section that we're going to look at. So, start at verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of, he of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, we've studied a number of these blessings already in, in, in past weeks. And we're going to study, Lord willing, a couple more of them today. But one thing I want us to keep in mind as we study through these things is how far off they are, how different they are from what you've been told, what we've all been told by the world. They're completely upside down, really right side up, that the world is upside down. I don't know if you noticed, but none of these blessings had anything to do with being intelligent, being good-looking, being rich, being famous. No blessed are those who have lots of Facebook friends. No blessed are people with many Twitter followers, saith the Lord. Right? There's no blessing for having the best job. There's no blessing for being the most talented. There's no blessing for being the most liked. None of those things are in here. Jesus lays it out, hey, here's, here's the blessings. And none of those things that everybody seems to want and that the world pushes on you, none of those are listed in the things that we are blessed for. None of them have promises attached to them. All of the things that the world is telling you will bring you joy and happiness and blessing are not mentioned by Jesus as a source of blessing. None of them. All the people who can honestly tell you about all those other things, being rich, being famous, the perfect abs, the perfect life, the perfect whatever, all the people who have those things can actually tell you, if you ask them to be honest, that those things are not the things where in life they've found blessing. In fact, those people often don't feel very blessed at all. Some of them are the most miserable people on earth. And yet the world is constantly telling you, get those things, get those things, and you'll feel joy. Get those things, and you'll feel happy and blessed. The world's crying out to you like a carnival barker. Get that job. You know, the one that everybody thinks you should have. Try this diet. It's going to work. It's the chocolate, keto, paleo, whatever. 
five carb, three fat, I don't know, right? Get this app. It's going to solve all your problems by making you look at your phone more often, right? <laughs> Buy this product. The world wants to sell me and you happiness. They want to sell you happiness. Why? So they can get some money so that they can go buy happiness, right? Um, but we're told by our, by our culture that we need to feed the material need, right? We need to feed the material needs. And if we solve the material needs, we'll be happy and we'll be blessed. That is what culture is saying. On every screen that you see, in every place that you go, you're going to hear that if you feed these material needs, that you take care of these material comforts, you're going to be happy. You're going to be blessed. But Jesus comes and says something very, very different. He says, I know what you need. I know what you need. You think God doesn't know what you need? He's, he's the one who's keeping the world going. He's the one who's providing the breath in your lungs. He knows what you need. And he'll take care of your needs, right? But if you want to be blessed, don't be looking to those things. Those are secondary don't be looking to your material needs or your comforts or those kinds of pleasures. Look to truth. Look to spiritual growth and purity of heart if you want to be blessed. Don't worry about material poverty. Be poor in spirit. Right? Just right out of the gate. Be poor in spirit. Understand your absolute need for God, your need for his grace, your need for his mercy and forgiveness. Don't choose happiness that fades away. But be mournful over your sin so that you can be comforted by God. Don't worry about putting yourself first. Put God first and others above yourself in meekness if you want to be blessed. Don't hunger for weak pleasures, but hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be merciful and pure in heart and find blessing in persecution. That'd be a popular ad, right? You want to be happy, unhappy? Try persecution, right? <laughs> the world looks at all of that, at all of these things, and at best, they're going to say, that sounds good for you. That sounds good for you. But for me, I'm going to take the money and the power and the fame and the new iPhone because I'm pretty sure those things are going to make me happy. That's what the, what the world is going to say because the world is lost in darkness. They're lost in darkness. And Jesus is showing the light and calling us to be the light to the world. Because the world is upside down. And Jesus Christ, through what he's saying here and through what he's going to say through this whole thing and for everything he says, is, is turning the world, or at least the kingdom of God, right side up. So as we study what Jesus teaches here, we cannot lose sight of not just what he's saying, but what he's rejecting. He's asking us to reject the world and its values. He's asking us to reject the world and its values and to accept the kingdom of God in the narrow way and those values. And he's making it pretty clear, you can't have both. You can't have both. You can't seek after wealth and fame and fortune as your primary thing and also seek after the kingdom of God right? You can't not worry about your sin and be mournful over your sin, right? You can't hunger and thirst for things that you ought not to do and hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
You're hungering and thirsting for one or the other. He's, he's making a clear dichotomy. So as we read through these Beatitudes and this stuff, I want you to see that he's not just saying do. He's also saying reject. you got to reject the world. And in order to do that, you're going to have to be pretty uh, vigilant with the shows that you watch, with the things that you do, with the, with the things that you do online, with all the different stuff, because everybody else is going to try to get you to do something else. So you have to be pretty vigilant to push that away and say, no, no, no. What has God called me to do? No, no, no. What has Jesus said is blessed? What has he said is the blessings come from? Where are his promises? Because everything else is going to tell you, no, 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 no. This is what you should care about. This is what you should worry about. This is what you should fear. And I got just the thing to sell you to fix it. With that in mind, let's read the couple of verses for today. Matthew 5, 7 through 8. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The blessings are in being merciful and pure in heart. And the promises are that we will obtain mercy and see God. Pretty good promises. Because we definitely will not see God without God's mercy, without obtaining mercy. Titus 3, 3 through 7. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It is through the mercy of God. It is through the mercy of God in Jesus Christ that we have peace with God. And get to see God rather than be separated from his presence. Because those are the two options. Get to see God, get to be with God, or we're separated. And it's only mercy and grace that have gotten us there. Therefore, how much mercy should we show? Having this much mercy having been shown to us, you just heard what we were like. Right? Hateful, hating others, problems, issues, sin, wickedness. And yet God showed mercy on us. He saved us. So how should we act towards our neighbor? What should our heart be like? There was this lawyer in the Bible, always great guys in the Bible. This guy is trying to test Jesus. And he asked him this question. He's basically saying, look, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself and all that good stuff, but who, who's my neighbor? Let's be really clear about who my neighbor is. Right? Is it just my family, my friends, folks like that, people like me, or is it somebody else? Who is it? So Jesus comes and he tells them this story, right, called the Good Samaritan. And Jesus talks about it. And he says, look, there's this guy, this Jewish guy. He's going to go from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's going to go on a trip. He heads out on this trip, and as he's going down the road, he gets mugged. He gets robbed. They take his clothes, they strip him, they take all his stuff, and they beat him until he's half dead. This guy is laying on the side of the road. Half dead. And what happens is a, a priest comes by. And the priest sees him on the side of the road. And instead of going over and being like, hey, what's up? Are you okay? Can I help you? Whatever. He literally steps to the other side of the road and passes by like this. Don't know if he put his hand up like this, but basically you get the idea. And after he passes by, a Levite comes by. 
And he sees the guy. And of course, he's going to help, right? No, he sees the guy. He's all messed up. He's got, this Levi's got something to do. He didn't want to get his hands dirty. So he goes to the other side of the road, passes by, and goes like this. Then there's this Samaritan guy. You got to understand that the Jews did not like the Samaritans. These half-breeds, these, these people who lived in Samaria, who, who didn't know how to worship God properly, who were, it was just, they did not like each other, okay? They did not have a good relationship. So when he's telling the story to these Jewish men, they're not thinking that the Samaritan's going to be the good guy. But he says, there's a Samaritan, the Samaritan comes and he sees this Jewish man, who, of course, the Samaritan knows doesn't probably like him, because he knows how the Samaritans and Jews feel about each other, but he sees this guy, and he has compassion on him. And he comes over to him, and he cares for me, and he takes his wounds, and he puts wine and oil on him, and he, and he gets him ready, and he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to an inn, and he pays the innkeeper to take care of him until this guy can get better, until he can convalesce and, and feel better. He goes away and says, look, whatever it costs, take care of this guy. I'll pay you when I get back. He, he has compassion. He has care. He has mercy on this guy. And so then Jesus puts a question back to the lawyer in Luke 10, 36 through 37. He says, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor? To him who fell among the thieves. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What does that mean? That means there are people who are in need and who need mercy who you wouldn't necessarily think that you need to help. That you wouldn't necessarily want to help. And yet, they're all your neighbors. Jesus didn't care that the first two men were religious, right? They were religious. It was a priest and a Levite. Maybe they were on their way to do some religious work or some sacrifice or some, uh, some churchy type thing, right? They were going to check some good work off the box. Maybe they thought that their religiously good works were all that they needed. So because they were so good and they had so much in the bank on that side, they could walk by this guy. He can deal with himself. I don't have time for that. But Jesus does not have good things to say about those religious people. The people that in society, people would have thought, oh, those are the good people. The priests and the Levites. Jesus saves his praise for the Samaritan who showed mercy. Jesus is uh, meeting Matthew for the first time. This is in the book of Matthew chapter 9. And this is what happens. He says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. These Pharisees are religious people. They knew the rules. They spent their day arguing about the rules. What does the righteous man look like? What does he do? He does this, he does that. Well, if he does that, he's got to do this, this, this. And the, the, everybody looked at them. They, had the, they, had, they, were, they were kind of the people that the, that the folks looked to and said, these are the holy people. These are the really good people. These are the people that keep all of the law. And they're coming to Jesus saying, what are you doing with these tax collectors? And tax collectors were worse then than they are now. And they're still pretty bad. I mean, you get something from the IRS, it's rarely like, yay! 
right? I mean, it's just that's that refund check. But we don't like tax collectors. Back then, it was worse. Not only did they collect tax, but they cheated in collecting their tax. Not only did they cheat and collect tax, but these Jewish people who were collecting tax were collecting tax for an occupying force of Romans. They were traitors. They were not liked. They were sinful. So he's eating with these tax collectors and these sinners, and these people are just disgusted. Why is he doing that? And Jesus is saying, where's your mercy? Where's your mercy? You're, you're the sacrifice guys. You're the ones doing all the stuff, tithing down to the last little piece of your herb garden. But you're missing justice and mercy and faith. You have no mercy for these people. You got all the religious down, but you got none of the mercy down. These Pharisees were too busy thinking of themselves as better than everybody else because they checked so many boxes. And Jesus calls them out straight up and says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus doesn't want you to just do religious duties and to just check boxes. That's not what he wants from you. He wants your heart to be pure. He wants you to be merciful toward others. Mercy is an essential part of godly wisdom. You can read about that in James. It's also a spiritual gift to be used for the benefit of others. You can read about that in Romans 12. Mercy is fundamental, fundamental to a Christ follower. And here's the thing. Here's where we take our turn. It's missing in many of us. It's missing at large in the Christian church, particularly the American Christian church. North American, U.S. Christian church these days. It's just missing. It's gone missing for, and for a lot of people, not for everybody. Where's our mercy? Mercy should be a clear fruit for those who are poor in spirit and understand the grace and mercy that's been given to them. Mercy should be a clear fruit of that. As a believer, the thing that has identified Christians has always been their generosity and mercy and care for others. That has been the mark of Christians. In the early church, they would go into the cities where, that were ravaged with plagues, okay? Everybody else left. The Christians went in among these sinners. These were not good people they were going in to help. These were idol worshipers and sexually deviant people and liars and cheaters and drunks who had been infected with diseases and were dying. And these Christians, these believers, would go in and care for them, to take care of them, to help them, just to sit there with them as they passed away sometimes. And many of these believers became infected themselves with these diseases and died as a result of that. The unbelievers, they fled. The believers, they went in. They didn't worry about whose problem it was. They, that did not come into their mind. Whose problem is this? This isn't my problem. All they cared about was mercy. All they cared about was showing the love of Jesus Christ to those who needed it. They didn't care if these people related to them. They didn't care, you know, whether it was good for them, bad for them. Personally, they just went. Christians loved these people. They cared for the needs. And no doubt they preached the risen Lord Jesus Christ to them. And hopefully many of those sick people will be with us in heaven. Because in their last days, the Christians came and cared for them. They had compassion compassionate hearts, caring hearts, and mercy, and it moved the world and changed the world. So one of the things that drew so many people to know Jesus was the mercy of these people. 
You know, it's that same mercy that should compel us to share Jesus with people we know too, as we want them to know the joy and peace of a different life. Now, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, or if we can help you make that life-changing decision for Christ, call us at 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out Part 2 for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.